Zachary Bartles, pastor of Judson Baptist Church, and you're listening to Mimi Reads the Bible. Welcome back to Mimi Reads the Bible, and uh, Mimi is really excited, overly excited, to read the Bible. She had it propped up in her hands, (laughs) ready to go. Mimi, I thought maybe we were going to read something really happy today, because I know that you had a good day. I I have had a very good day. I thought maybe it'd be, this is the day the Lord has made or something. Oh, or, that would have been a good one. But then you told me you were just going to go right to the same the same thing. We were already in a rut. Episode two, we're already no, in a rut. No, 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 because this is happy, because this is Hannah's prayer, and she's really happy because the Lord has answered her prayer. And so, and you and you know what answered happy. prayer feels like. Is, I do. Okay, it makes sense to me. This makes yeah. sense. It all fits together. Now, let me ask you this: You've got a uh, paper Bible in front of you. I do. It's the English Standard Version this week, and I, I think I should mention oh, no. what people maybe were thinking if they know more than me about these sorts of things. <laughs> Last week, we were kind of uh, worried about reading too many verses. So we stopped at what, a dozen? Yeah, maybe. And I looked into it. Actually, in the front of that NIV, you know what it said? A thousand verses. Oh. But it could not be, I think it said either a third or half, More, I think it said it couldn't be more than half of the total. So, you know, a, a longer program could have more verses or a long book. But still, 500 or a thousand, the, the new NIV says 500, the ESV says 500. That's a heck of a lot more than what we were, <laughs> <laughs> we were we were being overly cautious. Well. I had a podcast once where I had heard somebody who had a podcast continually using music just at will. You know, they'd play music intro, they'd play music during their commercials that they did, you know, the little uh, whatever, Squarespace gives me 10 bucks per episode or whatever. And they'd do another song at the end. And so we started doing that and uh, found out pretty quickly that that's illegal. And they can come after you. I mean, they can come after you hard. So uh, I've I've taken since then to being extra cautious. Yeah. In in the podcasting, so we 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 can do we can do a bit though here. Mm-hmm. You you don't have to feel like you have to stop. And you stopped short last time. I did. Which is why we're still in the same. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> but I was going to say you've got a paper Bible in front of you. I've got. The Hebrew in front of me because I want to see if I can if I still got it. Okay. If I can if I can read along, and and I have to say it doesn't bode well that it took me like at least ninety seconds to figure out. Okay, this is the right chapter. <laughs> this is, this is well. Shemuel Aleph. Um, but but uh, we both have paper Bibles here. I've got rows and rows of them on my shelf, and yet uh when was it wednesday or sunday morning there was a time recently when i said pull out your bibles and literally everyone took out a electronic device what are your thoughts on and i'm not saying whether it's right or wrong or better or worse but just your preference as far as reading the bible um well i thought that i liked to have the paper bible and that's what i've always used but recently, I have, have been staying with Lisa, and she always reads it off of her phone or, or her tablet. And so I downloaded, and I started looking at it. And um, so 
And then Wednesday night, I looked at it on my phone. Oh, I no. found myself looking at it on my one phone. Over, huh? And I had brought my Bible, my Bible with <laughs> me. It wasn't like I didn't have it. So I mean, I still like the the feel of the pages and seeing the words because I'm also one who can touch your phone and everything goes flying off. I was reading scripture at Bible Study Fellowship the other day, and I had my phone, and I was reading it off my phone, and I touched it or something, and all of a sudden it just went flying, and I was like, and so on. The, the <laughs> phone physically went flying? No, or? the no, the you know how you can hit it and the page uh-huh. will go up. So all of a sudden you were in a different chapter or yeah, a different and, application altogether. Yeah, and so I just said, and so on. Mimi, I, I don't know what your age is, but are you by any chance a baby boomer? Is that, is that maybe what, what's going on it, it may be that I am technologically impaired. Don't you, do you think, and this may, this may be a generational thing, when I have the Bible on my phone, Mm-hmm. Which I my, I had a podcast uh, going, and this this gentleman named Andrew Fouché, uh, who worked for Olive Tree, and I had this wonderful relationship where we would sponsor Olive Tree Bible, which is a great Bible software platform. There's a lot of them that are good, but that, that's that's one that's good. And uh, he would just keep on just giving me product in exchange. Mm-hmm. So so he'd just like basically activate and then activate. Mm-hmm. And so I've got. I've I've got a few hundred dollars worth of Bible software on my phone. I've got more than that on my Palm Pilot, which is why I keep the Palm <laughs> Pilot because I can't bear the thought of parting with all that. But when I have my phone, I feel like my attention can't be fully on it because I know Facebook and Twitter might pop up a, a you know a little notification. I know I might get a text, I might mm-hmm. get an email, I might get a phone call, and for some reason that just keeps my mind from fully locking. Mm-hmm. You don't you don't have that? I, I I don't I that I'm worried about that very same thing because I am easily distracted and I go off and I don't even realize that I've done it and so paper Bible I'm right there. All right, so I I just won you back. You won me back to so the paper. Lisa Bible. and and myself. Lisa's a leader in the church as well. We're basically like you're you're in the middle and we're tug of warring with you yeah. between. <laughs> Two opinions. Yes. How long will you waver between two opinions? Well, paper is is. <laughs> uh, paper will probably win out just because I would be terribly embarrassed if I ever had it my phone for the um the scripture reading in church and suddenly it rang or something. Mm. So, now there, uh, because I forgot mode. to turn it. Well, you know, but you have to remember to do that, and that's a whole nother issue of of my perhaps age. <laughs> I I don't bring my phone to church at all on Sundays, and people think it's because I'm spiritual and I want to focus on like being in the moment mm-hmm. and in the service. And the reason actually is that's it. It's because I'm spiritual. But and then a secondary reason mm-hmm. is that. Twice I got I forgot to mess with or turn it See? off, and I got a phone call while I was preaching. Yeah. Once it was my wife calling from the airport to tell me she'd landed safely, <laughs> and I'm thinking, don't you know what's going on at this exactly time? Exactly where your husband <laughs> is. I I reached into my pocket and surreptitiously went to mute it and turned the volume up. <laughs> is what I did. Okay. 
<laughs> wonder. That's because we're around the same age. There it is. 20 so, years ago, we were both 20. We discovered that the other night. We did. We did. <laughs> so, Small world. <laughs> by golly, I also was 20 in 1998. <laughs> <laughs> so you're going to read then uh, today kind of the follow-up to yes. last week's Yes, I am, text. because now Hannah has been given that child, Samuel, who she said she would give back to the Lord, and now she has brought him to Eli, and then this is her prayer. And I'm reading from 1 Samuel chapter 2, starting at verse 1. And Hannah prayed and said, My heart exalts in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth derides my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. There is none holy like the Lord, for there is none beside you. There is no rock like our God. Talk no more so very proudly. Let not arrogance come from your mouth. For the Lord is a God of knowledge, and by him actions are weighed. The bows of the mighty are broken, but the feeble bind on strength. Those who were full have hired themselves out for bread, but those who were hungry have ceased to hunger. The barren has borne seven, but she who has many children is forlorn. The Lord kills and brings to life. He brings down to Sheol and raises up. The Lord makes pure and makes rich. He brings low and he exalts. He raises up the poor from the dust. He lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes and inherit a seat of honor. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's and on them he has set the world. He will guard the feet of his faithful ones, but the wicked shall be cut off in darkness, for not by might shall a man prevail. The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken to pieces. Against them he will thunder in heaven. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. So that is actually the Magnificat of it's the Old Testament. Exactly. It is so full of similar themes to Mary's Magnificat. And I wonder if maybe we should have you read that as well. Oh, that would be good. Um, it, but the bringing low and bringing up, God uh -huh. being sovereign. Mm -hmm. It's good to know that Hannah was a, a Calvinist. <laughs> um, but, but like... Even to the point of um, reference to resurrection, it seems. Mm -hmm. He brings down into Sheol, which is, is the Hebrew word for the grave. Sometimes the King James will translate that hell. Uh, but the notion of the place of the dead, the, the, the grave itself. And then he brings back up again. You know, acknowledging that God with power over life over death. And so, in a sense, she becomes a type of Mary... And Samuel, of course, obviously is a type of Christ. He's foreshadowing Christ. And I wonder if we could even extend that further and say, yeah, you see glimpses of the Pharisees and Hophni and Phinehas hey. <laughs> as we read this, the, the rest of this book. But uh, yeah, what, what an interesting, you know, the, the intertextuality. If, mm -hmm. if we unhitch ourselves from the Old Testament, like, 
a fairly famous preacher suggested we should not that long ago, we miss out on, oh my, we miss out on almost everything. Yeah. Even if you're just looking at Jesus' ministry, if you don't know the story that leads up to Jesus, it's all just rando, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. what what does it all mean? Yeah. There are those who don't believe with all that we have at our disposal. But you think of these Old Testament saints who had so little, and yet she could pray with such richness, with such wisdom, and looking ahead to what she would not see in her own lifetime, Mm -hmm. but believing it as much as if it was going to happen in the next week or in the next year. Before you get to to Mary's prayer, do you you think it's a little odd that there's a little trash talk toward her her rival in her prayer? (laughs) They're absolutely, I mean, you can't read it any other way. No, no, I I thought that myself that, oh. (laughs) This is like when you slam the basketball back down in someone's face here. Um, And I guess, I mean, the thing that she's saying is true. The barren one is born... Uh, seven, of course, she's only had one son, but but this is Hebraic poetry, seven being a number of completion. But but the one who has many children is forlorn. Do you think she's talking about her her rival being sad that that Hannah has had a child? Or do you think this is a general, like, the reason that she continually hassles me and, and mocks me is because she's just sad inside? Well, I, you know... I wondered if it was because, you know, she's had children, many children, but she still can't get that full love of the husband. And so here is this woman who he should not love, and he certainly shouldn't love more than her, and yet he does. And now she's been given a child. Yeah, and and very similar again to Rachel and Leah. Mm-hmm. You have Leah getting all the children because she. And see, also once again, we will say uh, the folly of um, polygamy. But but Leah is able to say at least I'm the one who keeps giving him sons, and then Rachel has a son, and boom, he's the favorite. Mm-hmm. So I mean, yeah, the whole thing's a recipe for all sorts of unhappiness. Mm-hmm. But certainly. The her her rival, even though she's sort of the bad guy in the story, isn't immune from this unhappiness. It's no. it's just kind of permeating, and out of that really toxic family relationship, God still brings something really mm-hmm. good. Um, because out of this comes Samuel. From Samuel's anointed David. From David comes a Messiah. Yeah, you can draw a straight line to Jesus. It's a, it's amazing how the sinfulness of man is used by God time and time again. And he brings us our salvation and our hope. And it's amazing. Are you using man in like a general way? Or do you mean males specifically? Oh, I I meant, of course, um, <laughs> generically, unless you feel that there is a... Well, I mean, if we're talking about polygamy, that's kind of like the most horrible part of like historical patriarchies, right? Yeah. Um, or one of them. It's up there. It contributes to the most horrible stuff. Uh, one one other thing that I had never thought of before 
um, because you read this through and you know the story and you've read it so many times, but have you ever prayed to God when you're in a jam or you really wanted something? And I mean, this is, this is so common. It's even often kind of, uh, goofed on, on like sitcoms and stuff, but you say, Lord, if you do X, I will do Y. And uh, I don't remember what I was, I was watching something not long ago and someone made a prayer like that. And then the prayer was immediately answered. And they were, it was, it was uh, Barney Stinson. He was going to give all his suits away to charity <laughs> if, if God did something for him. And then the thing happened that he was like, oh, okay, I don't need to give the suits away because it happened anyway. And it, <laughs> which, it, but, but in this case, you could almost maybe see someone saying, Lord, I'll give him to you. And, and everyone knows what that means, service mm-hmm. in the temple. And then when she finally has the son, you could see maybe someone wanting to kind of shrink away from that. Well, but she doesn't. She made this vow. She keeps it. Exactly. And every woman that I have spoken to about this passage of scripture has made that remark of, you know, it's one thing to say that, but she had no guarantee she was going to have any more children. Mm Mm-hmm. But she promised the Lord, and she went and did that, and how hard that must have been. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, well, I mean, I, we, we so, both have sons. Can you imagine just when they're brand new and you're just figuring out how good their hair smells and, and enjoying the, the bond, being like, all right, I got to let this, this kid go and live in the temple and serve in the temple and give up kind of my my right to to raise him the way I would so that he can be in service to God. That's, ooh, wow. And of course, Mary then, she has to also give up her son in mm-hmm. so, you know the way where it's described as, I think it's Simeon, right? It says that a sword will pierce your heart. Mm-hmm. That's, that's hardcore stuff. All right, let's, let's hear the, uh, let's hear the Magnificat. Okay. And that is, of course, in Luke chapter one. And I'm starting at verse 46. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. That is from the lips of what seems to be probably a 14 or 15-year-old girl. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And, and, you know, when I read these early chapters of the Gospels, especially Luke, Luke's my favorite Gospel. Mm-hmm. I preached through it for about a year and a half, and it was my favorite preaching of, of all time. I always kick myself for not saving that for later. Uh, but I'm just, I'm blown away by when someone has the life just pulled out from under them. Everything they might have wanted for themselves, you know, and, and says, instead of, this is bogus, I'm going to my room and stomping away. 
But at this young age, and granted, yeah, people have matured out of necessity quicker, but, but instead saying, let it be as you have said. And, and just the grace and obedience and humble heart with which she accepts all this. I think it's such a shame that so many Protestants have this pendulum reaction of almost a disdain for Mary. When, when, I mean, we could even just call her the Blessed Virgin Mary because she said right here, all generations will call me blessed. It, it, there's, there's something there where we don't have to venerate her in an un, improper way. No. But we can hold her up as just an example of great holiness. Yes. And you can see why she has, throughout the history of the church, been held up mm-hmm. as such an example. Do you think she had Hannah on the mind at all during these, these months? You... You have to wonder because here she is having people look at her and talk about her and and yet she's feeling this life inside of her knowing that this child has a purpose that she can't even fully fathom and that uh, will be a almost apart from her. Yeah, yeah. And and I mean, in a, in a certain degree, every parent knows God has plans for my child that I, at some point I have to let go and and let this this person's life glorify God and, and just trust that God is at work. But for Hannah, immediately it was a letting go. And I mean, there's a certain, I wonder if she thought about uh, Hannah and, and uh, the service in the temple 12 years later. When we, we can't find Yeshua, we find him in the temple. And he's like, well, duh, where else would I be? And it's like, if you were looking for Samuel, that's where you would have found him. <laughs> you know, you know I want to tell you a funny story. Um, it was uh, a few years ago when our Burmese church uh, was, was growing rather quickly. And I, I, I didn't know all the Burmese people. And someone was running down the hall when there was a Burmese event here yelling, Samuel, Samuel. And obviously her kid was running away from her. And she was running after trying to stop him. She's going, Samuel, Samuel. And from in my office here, I shouted, here I am. <laughs> and she looked back at me like, you are such an idiot. And I thought it was funny. I don't know. <laughs> Let me ask you about these translations. We, we read the ESV today. You read, you read the ESV today. Um, by the way, I, I kept up in my Hebrew till about four or five verses in, and I looked away for a minute. I couldn't find a spot again. But, you know, it's I, I, I quiz myself on the palm with my Hebrew and Greek. I keep it up. But but we were in the ESV last week, the 1984 NIV, which was the original New International Version, which just took the evangelical church in the English-speaking world by storm when it came out. Which do you prefer based on just these two small readings? Right, I'm sure you're familiar with both of them. But... Um, I actually uh, preferred the ESV. That's the Bible I carry and mm-hmm. use most often. Um, I have an NIV, but I just like the English Standard Version. What do you like about it? Um, well, I find it, uh, you know, at first when the NIV came out, it was all because it's understandable mm-hmm. from the... I find that it's, um, I do understand it, but there's, this is going to sound odd. There's still a stateliness about it, uh, um, a regalness about it, something, I don't know. I just, 
I just feel like it's not as natural as the ESV when you're reading the I, NIV. I, it's it's yeah, not as natural. A, a yeah, flow. I feel like um, the NIV is working at it harder than the ESV is just saying it as okay. it is. Now, both of them are what we'd call a functional equivalent. They're not a word-for-word -word attempt mm -hmm. at a word-for-word. -word. You can't do word, -for -word. but as close as possible. Like mm -hmm. the the King James is, it keeps word order. It keeps, you know, that's why it sounds so um, kind of almost foreign to us. The mm -hmm. and, and it sounds very, very formal to the point of people copy that. Like when Joseph right. Smith was like, look, I found these <laughs> gold plates and I got these glasses that let me translate them. You can see where he was like, as a, a kid, trying to sound like the King James yeah. and sort of failing. In fact, probably, definitely, that's not even quite how people talked back then. We think <laughs> in 1611, everyone had this doth, mm. but a lot of it was just trying to keep the Bible word for word. On the other end, you have, I was reading last night a little passage from the message mm -hmm. in a paraphrase because we were we were talking about Eugene Peterson, Peterson. having died, and I, I thought that was actually a pretty good passage. A lot of people hate the message. I, I think we should have you read it sometime. It's not bad. I Oh, I was thinking of, of reading it today, actually, because he did pass. Yeah. And, um, I uh, I like the message, you know. As long as you know what you're dealing with. Exactly. And, and you don't think it's, I, I would say you don't even say it's quote unquote, the Bible. It's a paraphrase of the Bible. It's a useful tool. But these then are, uh, the NIV and the ESV are right in the middle. So you're, you're getting a certain amount of word for word, you know, faithfulness with the, uh, you know, switching up to a more natural mm -hmm. construction for us to have readability and accuracy. They're both good. Oh, yeah. Uh, I prefer the ESV, obviously, I preach out of it. And I know a lot of people, our, our pew Bibles are the NIV. Right. And a lot of people have said, why do we do that? And the answer is, A, the ESV didn't exist when those were purchased. <laughs> but B, I think it's good to be looking at one translation while you're hearing another, at least for me. I know some people mm -hmm. that they don't have the, the right brain, left brain. I don't know which mm -hmm. the, the, the proper split that just kind of annoys them. But for me, it helps me kind of... You get those two perspective at, perspectives at once, and you can sort of get that much closer to mm -hmm. where this must all come from. Uh, but yeah, so the, this is from Crossway Publishing. Great, great publishing house. Everything they put out uh, that I've consumed has been worthwhile. And I think the, the ESV is a real treasure for the church. They had, this is interesting, they had come out with a pronouncement about four years ago, maybe, that the text was never going to change. They were never going to do what the NIV did in 2012 and come out with the next version. It was going to be, this is it, boom. You can memorize it and know that you've got the ESV. Just like if you have the King James, you've got the King James. And then a lot of people said, great, good. And then a lot of people said, well, you're you're ignoring the very nature of language, how it always changes. And then they backed off from that, said, well, maybe not. Maybe we will change it later on. <laughs> oh. What, what do you think is, is better? I think that you should stay with how it was translated and stick with that. Well, because just because our language changes, it wasn't like we couldn't understand and use the King James. We did, you know, I did all growing up. It's the and, Bible that um, Paul used, so. And, <laughs> <laughs> and um, still versus that I memorized in the King James. That's the only way I can say them. Mm -hmm. And um, so I think it's still a valuable tool. And yet uh, our language has changed in this. I, I enjoy reading from, using. But no, I don't think that we need to. 
constantly update things because we've changed. When they came up with that statement that ESV was locked down, a permanent text, mm -hmm. I thought, good. And then at some point, it'll be outdated and we'll come up with something different. Right. But one of the problems, and one of the things King James only people will often say is, like you and me both, as kids we learned in King James, now I try to bring up verses... And sometimes I get a mishmash in my mind of King James, NIV, and ESV, and it's hard to, to keep it. And so if we're also changing the Bible as we go and as we read, it, I don't know, it seems like you're, you're, it's a trade-off. You're losing something mm -hmm. as well as gaining. Have you read the new NIV, the, the 2012 update? Yes. That's also pretty solid. Yeah, yeah. I wish they would have called it. They tried to call it today's NIV, the TNIV. Mm -hmm. And it was basically the same text and it fell flat on its face. There was all this like, you're changing the gender. And blah, blah, blah. and then so they just quietly, they, they mm. reeled it back in, said, never mind that. And then they quietly were like, Twing. it's still the <laughs> NIV, but it's this text. And everyone was like, what? Huh? Who's on Dancing with the Stars? And no one noticed. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, thank you so much for reading the Bible for us again, Mimi. And uh, do you have any idea what you're going to want to read next time? I'm leaning towards uh, Ruth. Ruth. Nice. Mm -hmm. You know, I speaking of Hebrew, when in our kind of advanced Hebrew class, that was one of the things that we worked most closely with because Ruth is accessible and, and you don't have to be a you know, real expert to do it. And in looking that closely at it, I came to love that book. And when I preached through it, it was it was a break in the middle of Judges. And I enjoyed Ruth more than Judges. Don't tell, I, I lose my man card if I say that. But yeah, I actually well. enjoyed it more than Judges. It's such a, mm -hmm. it's so full of Jesus. Yes. And, and that's so, I mean, mm -hmm. so full of Jesus. So great, great. We'll see some Ruth. Mm -hmm. And uh, we're we're on iTunes now. So subscribe on iTunes, we're on Stitcher, we're on Google Play, you know, a tune in um, should be coming this week where you can say, Alexa, play Mimi Reads the Bible, and then, you know, Mimi can read you off to sleep with with uh, the Hannah and the Magnificat of the Old Testament. So thanks so much for listening, and... Uh, say hey to Priscilla in Colorado. There we go. Now we're, like, <laughs> shouts out to people and everything. Oh, Mimi, act like you've been here before. <laughs> I have to give a little to the fans. I love it. <laughs> it's like rocker room and I see. <laughs> Listening. I see. Magic mirror. You know, she never said Zach. Never said Mimi either. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week. In the meantime, if you'd like to learn more about our church, you can find us online at www.churchlansing.com. Scripture quotations this week are from the Holy Bible, English Standard Version. Copyright 2001 by Crossway Bibles, a publishing ministry of Good News Publishers. Used by permission. And don't forget, God's Word is there to be read all the time. You don't have to wait for Mimi. <laughs>